Oh Lord, our God, how excellent your name is, how excellent your name in all Your glory fills the heavens beyond the Father's star, how excellent your name in all for the last time, come on, everyone. Oh Lord, our God, sing. Oh Lord, our God, how excellent your name is. How excellent your name is. Your glory fills the heavens beyond the Father's stars. How How excellent the name in all the earth. Jesus, how excellent the name in all the Dear Father, we declare your name is excellent tonight. Thank you for giving us the privilege to be called your family. Tonight, we receive one of the privileges of being your sons insight in your word we ask and receive that tonight we receive light in your light we receive direction in your wisdom clarity in our thoughts and together as a church behold jesus christ your son even as he sees us in him in this service is glorified as we're built up edified shaped and sharpened by the power of your holy spirit alongside those who hear us and the body of christ amen Hallelujah. Just before you sit down, once again, I appreciate your pastor, my friend, a great man, Evan Gilbert, to say, and every other pastor, minister here. Amen. And the, the, the entire church, I mean, leadership and workers, I mean, I'm excited to be in this new place. Amen. And I know we're going to have bigger, bigger places and all over the world in the name of Jesus. Amen. Can you have your seat quickly? All right. Ephesians chapter 1 and uh, verse 17. I need to calm down one more time. Um, Ephesians 1, 17. Well, Paul, we looked at it in the morning. I'm going to move a bit quick tonight. I hope you're ready. Ah, okay. Paul is praying, and in the morning, I know some of us couldn't make it in the morning, guess work and stuff like that. And he says that, I cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that God, the Father, the God, I'm saying it again, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the God of glory, will grant to you wisdom, that's what we say in the morning, right? Wisdom and revelation of the Spirit, since you're already sealed with the Spirit anyway, um, that the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know Knowledge of him, sorry. There's what I mean, Latin, you know what is the hope of his calling. And we said, what is hope? Hope is not a wish. I, I use the example of a chart. I mean, to chart a course, uh, a, a destination. That is, you have a definite destination. Now, thing is, 
in the morning, I did ask, and we spoke about revelation different from information. Oh, we can remember that. Can you remember that? Those were in the morning, that, you know, you can have information and there is no revelation. It's revelation that births conviction. Without conviction, you can't be stable. And a good number of us really need conviction. Conviction is by revelation. Now, the word revelation there means to uncover to uncover spirit of wisdom which is was insight and to uncover now something about wisdom is that wisdom grants you skill you have skill skill is practical something you can use practically wisdom grants you skill uh, let me give you an instance for example I, I, I was called to bar that is as a lawyer years back and but for a while not for a long time, I, you know, abstained from practice. Now, I now wanted to go to court to do something. And I had someone who was not even in secondary school when I was called to bar. Now, I had to ask the person. So, if I, I know the law, I knew, I mean, I have, I mean, I passed. I wasn't, uh, I wasn't awarded free. So, but I needed someone to practically tell me how to use what I used to know uh, effectively. So wisdom is very practical. You know, something that looks like a skill, <coughs> excuse me, when you're using it is wisdom. But we'll get to that in a moment, later on. It says your eyes being enlightened. So we said in the morning, there is a need for revelation. And revelation can only come by prayer. That is, there is no transformation without prayer. It's not just having information and deep teaching that changes lives. Without it, and I mentioned it, I said, you, you can have a lot of teaching. It's like having seeds and no water. Okay, that's better than the gun illustration. <laughs> All right. Seeds and no water. Right, because you have, and I gave you the example of my own farm where we had love seeds, and when the harvest came out, the harvest was less than the seed we planted. Now, crazy, that's not a loss, that's nothing. Okay, so you, you should know that prayer is what makes the word sown to grow. That's why you must pray regularly because that's what's going to give revelation to the information. Revelation makes conviction and it builds stability. You will need someone again to teach you. That what Hebrews 12, Hebrews 5, 12, 13. You need someone to teach you again that which be the first principles of the oracles of God. You don't need anyone to hold you on that. But let's move quickly here. Now, Paul is saying, I pray that you will know who or what God has called you. The hope of of his calling. Hope I said the LPs, it means the direction. And we said it's where are you going? All right? Why are you going there? And who are you? Now, I've said this for years and I'm going to say it again. <clears throat> we have blown, we have overblown the scene problem. And I know Jesus came to die for our sins, and I'm going to preach that till eternity. 
uh, Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. First Corinthians 15 verse 3, he was buried, rose again the third day for us, for our, just, our sins according to the scriptures. Romans 4 25, he's delivered up for our offenses, raised up for our justification. Yeah, he died for our sins, right? But sometimes I think we get things mixed up. The context of the sins sometimes is mixed up. And usually, you have believers get confused at some point. Now, I'm going to tie it up. Just cool down. Now, I've said to ask, what is the humanity's greatest problem? What is the greatest problem in humanity? And someone say, it's sin. Okay, good. So, if it's sin, what sin? So, any kind of sin. And I'll tell you this, and it's something we'll be resolved as we get into the sessions, that the greatest thing that the gospel resolves, which resolves the sin problem along the line, is identity. Who are you? It's a critical thing to know. It says, your eyes being open, that's what Paul is praying. That your eyes of understanding, like you may know what is the hope. Remember, hope is to know the journey of his calling. I'm going to put aside the word calling till tomorrow morning, but the hope of his calling. Maybe I'll get into it a bit tonight. The hope of his calling. And Paul has two words that he uses simultaneously for the word calling. The word kaleo, where interestingly you have the word church. Kaleo is spelled K-L-E-O. Then the word classes, K-L-E-S-I-S. Calling. Calling. Now, where you have calling, you know, there's, there, are two, there are three ways you can have the word calling. Now, the word church, when Jesus said in Matthew 16, 18, I will be upon this rock, I'll build my church. My church. And then the second time he uses it in Matthew 18, 17, tell it to the church. Okay? Now, that word, you know, is ecclesia. Ecclesia. E-double-K-L-E-double-S-I-A. Two words are in there. All right? It's the word ek and kaleo. Ek means out. Kaleo means call. Kaleo. K-L-E-O. Ek. E-double-K-K. It means, or E-K, sorry. Call out. Call out. Now, I'm going to take on the word calling a little bit that, you know, when it says the hope of his calling. So when we say call, you know, the, when I say I called you, you know, that's like I picked my phone and I called your number and uh, I wanted to talk to you. That's I called you. Or I called you or you far when I shout out, I say, um, John, Okay. That's I called you. That's how the first call. Now, there is also I called you, which means I called your name. I called your name, John. I called you, John. Now, there is a, an initial one that is very fundamental. That is... When I call you something or I give you a name, 
I gave you a name. I called you. So, look at it. The hope of his calling. Calling. Which is, one, to call out to you. Two, to call your name. Three, to give you a name. Put all that together. I call you, call out to you. I call you, I call your name. I call you, I give you a name. Okay, so put that together and say, um, the hope of his calling. So if I don't understand the calling, I don't know what the hope is about. So, pay good attention. The first challenge sometimes is to know, I, I was saying that the, the first issue is, what exactly is humanity's greatest problem? What is the greatest issue? What, what really are we dealing with? And in Matthew 19, let me see I can get into this very quickly. Matthew 19. Pay attention to the answers that Jesus gave. A fellow came to Jesus, a Pharisee in verse 3, tempting him and saying unto him, Is it lawful for a man to put away his wife for every cause? Now, can I have you change that phrase? Can we say, is it lawful for a husband, right? Come on. A husband to change or to, to put away his wife for every cause. The question is, he asks a question about marriage and divorce. And so Jesus responded. He didn't say yes or no. Jesus answered the man and said, have you not read that he which made them at the beginning made them male and female and said for this cause shall a man leave father and mother and shall cleave to his wife and the twain shall be one flesh wherefore there are no more twain but one flesh what therefore God has joined together let no man put asunder unfortunately you know, this has, been, this, this has been a little bit abused. But pay very good attention. The man is talking about how does a husband put away his wife? Keep your eyes on the ball. How or what reason should a husband put away his wife? That question is laden with a cultural belief. That question has a cultural undertone. Okay? That's what he has. Now, let me deviate a little bit and hold it right there. And how many of you went to the boarding house? Boarding house. Oh, this must be a boarding school church. You had boarding house and you had senior and junior. You had all that? And uh, how many of you when you were in your first year, I, I'll give you my own story. Um, 
we desire to be seniors because the seniors will command everybody to do. We had a call. We used to, I mean, when I, when I got to school, I was in government college about in Nigeria, and uh, we had orientation. I didn't know it was a week of grace. They, they had a week of grace where they wouldn't allow you to do no punishment, nothing. But I didn't enjoy any week of grace. The reason was the very first evening, I'm going around the beds. Then I get to a bed, and I found out that someone just wet the bed. And my mouth was so big. So I said, who is doing this in a secondary school? This guy should not be in the secondary school. And I'm talking like this. You shouldn't be in the secondary school. And this is a Form 5 boy, and I'm in Form 1. <laughs> so the guy said, what did you say? I said, oh, it's about the bedwetter? And that was the guy. So my very first night on the week of grace, I didn't enjoy the grace message. <laughs> I was flogged the very first night for running my mouth. So bad. Now that didn't change anything. The next day I was going to get water. Uh, we have a place called the Black Tank. So I put my bucket there to get water. And then someone comes and says, I said, what's it? guy says, I'm in form three. I said, so? <laughs> we both paid school fees. <laughs> the guy laughed. He looked at me. You know. But it didn't take me one week to drop my human right activism. <laughs> All those rights and privileges I thought I had, I had to dump them somewhere. It was so bad. So, when I saw senior power, I don't think you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> In the boarding house, there's a way they call for junior boys. Typically, from government college history, but now that's my school, they'll just say one boy. That's one, the boys school. One boy. That the guy just comes to the room and says, one boy, he doesn't call your name. But you are a boy and you're a junior boy. Your response is, yes, please. Right? That's the response. Yes, please. That's the mild one. Now, the seniors now change it to one goat. You have to respond. You'll say, yes, please. One idiot there. You say, yes, please. So I saw power. The use of power. And there are other things that were done, but we couldn't write them. But these are written so that you might believe. <laughs> All the things were done. You know, I didn't know. There are a couple of other things. We're going to be served food at the, we, we, at the table. No, we had 10 per table. So they have the seniors. Then, then we had the upper six, the lower six, the front five. And then eventually the cycle was GSS1, but it was first upper six, lower six, and all of that. So 
I come to the table with my spoon and all that, and, you know, new guy in boarding house will fuck a knife, you know. Still kidding. It's when you have food that you use fork. <laughs> and we sat down on the table, and then I put my plate out, served my food. The guy said, nope, we're waiting for the senior. He's a GSS 3 boy, was form 3 then. So he understood that you don't take anything first. The guy comes in. He is supposed to be the upper six guy. And, you know, so scary because I used to see my dad shave. And I thought, oh, shaving is for elderly guys. I got to the boarding house and I saw my senior shaving. <laughs> now I felt, oh, there's some daddies in here. <laughs> and this guy just stays. He takes all the meat, puts it in his plate. Then his rice and beans. He takes all the rice alone, puts the beans somewhere else, and takes meal for like seven people and leaves just about a fragment, 30% for the other nine. I thought my sufferings were over until the guy in form five now decided to exercise his own authority. And I go, uh-oh. Within a week, I knew who I really was. It didn't take me long to know I was a Form 1 boy. And I had at least seven steps before the greatest of all. So was good baptism of reality. Now, it didn't end there. Not at all. And then you had, then I decided to frown because I, I just, I was going to frown. So the senior said, I know you can't come here. Why are you always frowning? I said, that is how I was born. <laughs> That's my nature. I said, uh-huh. So I'm gonna, this house says, I'm going to make your life miserable. So by the time he was done with me, he asked me to start laughing. I laughed with tears. <laughs> That was how I stopped frowning in the boarding house. Such that by the third week, myself and the guy Liu's name, we organized a kidnap story. <laughs> the truth about this story was I didn't disclose the details till five four years ago. <laughs> I waited 30 years before I told anyone the details. 30, 30, 30 years, but 31 years or so. And I, I told the guy, I said, how can I get out of this hell? The guy said, don't worry. We're going to clap the story in school. So he got someone to write a letter that the kidnappers were coming to get the students. They needed 24 students. So we... <laughs> We got the letter at the principal's office. So the principal got the letter. And we're waiting for the principal. You know, small boys. We thought they would just close down the boarding house. They were going to go home. <laughs> now, <laughs> the principal simply reinforced the security. And I kept, why is this man so dumb? <laughs> we want you to close down the school. No, he didn't. So we got pretty furious. 
The Aliu said, what's going to happen? I said, I don't know. Maybe we should increase it to 72. <laughs> That's astronomical. astronomical. And then he wrote another letter. And, we, and he was the one that painted the story. He went to say, well, some guys came in. and Look at the story. I look at this right around. This is crazy. That there was a, a um, limousine black. And those guys came out in the hoodie. And in the black. And they, they gave him the letter for the principal. Everything looks. Now I'm looking at it, Everything looks so stupid. You know, <laughs> so now I was a bit unfortunate. Now he had parents that were a little bit illiterate. That as soon as the seventy-two um, people story came, they withdrew him from the boarding house for whatever reasons. So I go back to Lagos and told my father the story. He said, "Eh, kidnapping, JCI, go back." I said, "Yes." You know, so my dad had a guy who was a prophet of a kind. So, he said, we're going to check with the man. I was already scared <laughs> that the guy would just get up. And that guy had some accuracy because I remember uh, uh, later on, the man, there was this match, Nigeria-Russia, um, what's the game again? Saudi 89 or something. That the man, that was later on, the man uh, predicted Nigeria was 4-0 down. And the man said it's on national TV that's going to be 4-4 and we're going to win by penalties. And that happened. That was later on anyway. I wasn't convinced afterwards. Nonsense. So when we got to his house, I was already scared. Oh, my God. This man will find me. I know about the letter. I know about the little kidnapper. And the man looked at him and he, and he, and he, was, oh, he said, I saw them come. Hmm? <laughs> he said, but there's a mark on you. They won't get you. I felt, oh, it didn't solve my problem. He said, there's a mark on me. They should return me to the school. That's how I spent six years in the body hell. Because of a jonesing prediction like that. So, Aliu, my co-criminal, he leaves the boarding house. I go back with my cabin biscuit and <laughs> my cabin biscuit, my uh, ovaltine and uh, dano milk. Um, you know, you know cabin biscuit. You should know the kind of family I came from then. And then you know, and um, you know, dano milk and you have two kinds. There are two kinds of people in the boarding house: those who have granulated sugar and the cube. The Cuban middle class, lower class, because you have to crack it to show that you're being punished. <laughs> okay, so, <laughs> so I go back there, ready to see the hope of my calling. And my dad said, you know, I was in that school. He now told me the story of how he got to that school alone. And I felt... I'm not you. He said, you're going to be there till you're done. But that is straightforward. So I just made up my mind. Okay. Such is life. I got to be here. So what was I waiting for? Now I'd seen what the seniors looked like. Some tyrants. So you see, people have been tyrants in secondary school. Yeah. Some tyrants, bullies. So I said, all right. I will wait for my time. <laughs> that when I become. 
Interestingly, I had a classmate. Now, I, I joke with the guy now. Um, he was the server of my table. They call him mess boy, but that he's the guy who serves food on my table. So by the time they changed the table, he became the server. He's in the first year in school. Same classmate. And he comes to us and tells us that this so senior says that all the meats and all the stuff must be given to him. Now, we couldn't, you dare not go to meet the senior to ask him whether he said so or not. It was later on that I found out that my mate lied to all of us. <laughs> because how would you go to him and say, okay, then please, I heard that you heard. He will give you a slap. Boom! <laughs> you know, I was, it was really bad. There was one who, who, who told me, he said, uh, he no, he, he asked me to do something. No, he asked me for my provisions. And I said, my provisions are with the house master. And my dad had given instruction to, I should eat it at some particular time in the month. <laughs> so the guy said, I said, yes, I'm sorry. I, I can't, you know, I would have. He said, okay, no problem. So unfortunately, he, he was a prefect. So I left school with an exit from the house master. So I'm bold, I go, and then, so I'm back to school on Sunday afternoon. He says, oh, you can come here. Where did you get permission to go weekend? I brought out my exit. <laughs> then he, he's a smart guy. He brings out the school book, school rule book, and he showed me a section there. The head of house and the housemaster must approve it. <laughs> so I learned contextual reading. I go, oh. He said, so you have broken the school rules. And then they said, punishment as prescribed by the head of us. They gave them white powers. Now, my school was, we had some kind of organization. Because if you're the, if you, we, they call them senior boy or head boy. We don't call it head boy, we call it head of school. Why? Because he's really a head of school. He has the capacity, the student, he has the capacity to recommend his own mates for suspension. He doesn't pay school fees, he's giving free food, and stuff like that. So quite some powers are in there. So the guy tells me, he says, look, you've broken the schools. Oh. I said, I'm sorry. He said, no, 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 no. It's an offense. Very harsh guy. Later on, he met my wife, you know, years, years later. My wife mentioned him. I said, that's the guy. My wife said, he doesn't look like it. I said, no one looks evil. <laughs> so, you know what he did for me? He knew I liked football a lot. He didn't touch me. He didn't give me any cane, nothing. He just asked me to bring, we used to cut grass. So he asked me to cut grass. You know, we used to play football five o'clock. That's the game spirit. So he knew what I loved the most. So he asked me to start cutting grass just about the field where they are playing football. Then he will sit beside me watching the game and asking me to face the grass. There's nothing as horrible <laughs> as that. So I'm cutting grass and I'm hearing, pass, pass, pass. And I'm going mad already. And I'm going crazy. By the second day of the torment, I went to the housemaster, took all my provision. 
And I took it. Took it. I remember he was sitting near the mosque. I said, hey, Michael, please. I'm a very stupid boy. I'm a very belligerent, useless boy. I'm a bad boy. Please forgive me. He said, oh, no, no. I said, no, no, sir. I even had that money. He said, take this. <laughs> he said, all right. <laughs> that was torment. <laughs> torment of the eyes on it. And so I knew that, okay, this is what it's about. So I wait, I don't wait till I'm a senior boy. You know, when you're in junior class, you're not looking forward to when the holidays are coming to an end. When you're in senior class, you look forward to the holidays coming to an end. Is that true? Junior class, you look forward to holidays. Senior class, you don't look forward to holidays. It's been like that for years. Everybody likes power. So you knew it. So the moment I became a senior boy, all right, then my rights and responsibilities and privileges came. But I still had two seniors ahead. So by the time I got to the SS2, we had the SS3. The SS3 were the highest guys. So there's another thing we do in government college. Pardon? They initiate you into the senior class, the, se the most senior now. That's the, the senior class is the SS1, SS2, SS3. So you have GSS1, GSS2, GSS3 for the junior classes. So the juniors have seniors over themselves, but you now graduate to the senior class. So by the time I got to the SS2, we were preparing, and I was already a leader somehow because, you know, I was going to be, I think I was already chosen as a prefect before we got to the SS3. But the SS3 guys were still there. They hadn't written their final exams. But we had this initiation program that had been like that for years. My dad told me it was like that with him in the 60s. So they would just find a day to just decide to punish all the guys in SS2 just to initiate you into senior level. But what they often do is that they look for just any spark that would trigger the punishment. Just anything. So we're all getting prepared. And I was a very loudmouth guy, but he knew me because one of my nicknames was Pressman Radical. Pressman because I was very involved in getting information for the whole school. And Radical, because I used to, I mean, I used to write articles for my first year. Uh, my first, okay, let me give you, my very first time also, I wrote an article. Because I found out that in the boarding house, we're eating fish where there was no head of the fish. <laughs> so I wrote an article, where is the head of our fish? My first time in school. <laughs> so they gave me the nickname Pressman. Because the whole seniors would come and say, Anoika, please, who was the president of America in 19... I'll tell them. I used to give them... The seniors would sit down. I'd be telling them about history, politics, and all that from my first term in school. You know, and I did other things like that. I'll talk about that later on. So... They, of course, everybody knew me. But that particular evening, there was a grace of God upon my life. I was somewhere, so I was having an argument with someone who was a year ahead. We had SS3, SS2, so he was also talking about his food. You know, everybody likes food. So I spoke with him. So as I was going back to the prep room, prep room is where you have, you, you have the, you read, you know, the prep class is where you're supposed to read. I saw my classmates in one corner. 
Why all they they gathered in one corner? Oh, today's initiation night. That was a voice of experience. I just started to run. I didn't know where I was going to. So eventually, they got all of them into the hostel. So I I hid in one bush far from the hostel. I was here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no. There's nothing you can do about that. It's normal. That's to show you that you have not entered into seniorship. That's ordination. So I started hearing, where is Anoika? Because I'm so popular. I said, where is he? He don't run. <gasps> he already shaking. So at 3 a.m., I had to go back to the hostel. And then, said, oh, Anoika is here. But by the time I showed up, they were all tired. The worst I got, the best I got that night was 24 strokes. And that was very small because my other colleagues must have taken about 150 each. <laughs> so, by the time that was done, they let you be. You can now step into your authority. Then the consciousness will be there. Now, what's going to happen? You now know who you are. Because you've seen it by precept and by example. You realize who you are. Then you're now called a prefect. So when I was, uh, we called us as prefect, acting prefects first. We knew what that was. So that, that very day, I was walking on lawn, near the lawn. The a teacher said, hey, I looked at her. I said, no, I'm a perfect. She said, oh, sorry. That's a recognition of who you are. <laughs> now, in case you think I'm joking, watch it. Recognizing who you are. I'd seen people act it. Because my first school father was the head of school. My second school father was the head of school. So I knew how to head the school. <laughs> those were my mentors right <laughs> so I saw how they use power I'm saying let me add one more the, the, boarding ha- the, the, the food prefect has such rights that if you get to the buttery the, the school canteen and they're selling food before the break time or after the break time you can stop the sale of the food and ask boys to come in and eat all the meals that is the authority you have as a prefect oh you went quiet you just have all the boys come and say, oh, boys, get all the meals. So when you say, now I'm a senior boy, you come to proper recognition. And you would know exactly what to do because you have passed through hell and high water. And then you say, I am the senior man here. So, Identity is very important. <laughs> Knowing who you are. Jesus was asked a question about marriage. And he said, he said, should a man put away his wife for every cause? And then he answers them, he says, have you not read that he which made them at the beginning? Notice the answer he gave. It says he made them male and female. 
created he them. Matthew 19. Watch that response. The man is asking about a question about marriage. Jesus doesn't answer the marriage question with a marriage answer. He goes to the woman before marriage. Because in Genesis 1, verse 26, let us make man in our image after our likeness. Watch that. Let them have dominion. Let them have dominion. So, after our likeness, let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, the fowl of the air, over everything that creeps upon the earth. Verse 27 says, male and female created he them. He created man, he them. So in Genesis 1, 26 to 28, people make that error. Genesis 1, 26 to 28 is the identity of humanity. That is not marriage. Man. So in mankind, we have male and female. Not husband and wife. Are you here? Now, Jesus now said, notice, go to Genesis 1, let's do it quickly. Genesis 1, 26, 28. It says, at the beginning, this is what he made them. Male and female. Created he them. Now, in, in what did he create male and female? Come on, quickly. I don't have just 126. Huh? In his image and in his likeness. Is that male or female or male and female? Male and female. Pay attention, guys. Male and female are in the image and likeness of God. Male and female are in the image and likeness of God. The male there is not a husband. And the female is not a wife. Are you here? Now, in chapter 2, verse 24. Read chapter 24. Huh? Let's read it together, huh? Therefore shall a man leave his father uh and mother uh one flesh. So, therefore what? Why do you use therefore? Because of this. Because of what? Remember, the Lord had Adam Look at verse 18. Verse 21, sorry. 21. Let's go 21. Okay. It caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam. Uh Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Excellent. Now, hold on there. Hold on there. And he took one of his ribs. Now, unfortunately today, they call the wife of a man his missing rib. So my, my amazing rib. Oh, I, I just found my amazing rib. If your rib is missing, you need a doctor. 
Now listen carefully. When this text was written, science had not discovered ribs. So it couldn't have been a biological word. And the deep sleep there, Genesis 15, 12, quite quickly, Abraham also was in a deep sleep. Deep sleep is a vision. So here is God showing Adam the male who the woman is. And God showed him who the woman is before marriage. Remember we said in the morning, it takes revelation to know. So Adam is in a vision. He gets to know who the woman, or call it the wife, is. And what does he see? He sees rib. Now the word rib there in the Hebrew is the word sela, T-S-E-L-A. Now pause a little bit. Let's get back a bit because I think my government college story uh, could uh, unconsciously overwhelm what I was trying to say. Now, they asked Jesus a problem about marriage. Can I put away my wife? That's the question. And can I put away my wife? Now, if I ask you that question now, you'll just say, well, uh, what did she do now? Uh, if you're African, you ask a woman, what did you do? You do? What did you do to your husband? You know, very funny. But he said, did you check the beginning? Because the beginning is where you have the plan. The beginning, remember? Jesus is teaching in Luke 24. I know your pastor teaches that a lot. That's why I'm going there quickly. 27, beginning at Moses and all the prophets. He expounded them in all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. So systematic Bible teaching starts from Genesis. Genesis is where you have the plan. And maybe for the purpose of this teaching, Genesis is where you have the hope. Is where you have the hope. This is where the course is charted. Are you here? All right, are you here? Come on. It's where you have the charting course. You have the course being charted. So Jesus said, at the beginning, he made them notice that noun. It's a collective noun. He made them male and female. Them. He created them, of course, in his image and likeness, male and female. Now, he says, for this cause, which is what is in Matthew, shall a man leave father and mother and cleave to his wife, and the two shall be one flesh. Pay attention. For this cause. So, the reason for Genesis 2.24 is Genesis 1.26.27. Pay attention. So what happens in Genesis chapter 2? God showed Adam who the woman is. Not who his wife is. Your wife can be English. Your wife can be Spanish. You know, but that is not who the woman is. The woman is not defined by culture or tribe. The woman is described and defined by God's word. 
God is the one that can define who the man and the woman is. Who's following what I'm saying tonight? So watch this now. And Adam now saw a vision. So it takes revelation to have true identity. He had to see a vision. So he saw Selah. Now the word Selah, T-S-E-L-A, is used in the Hebrew Bible about 77 times or so. And all of the times, it's the side of a house. So, if you are building a house, watch what I'm going to look up, guys. This is the rib of a house. This side. All this side. This side is a rib. So, if I come and say, I will take a rib out of, that means we have a pair. This is the same, right? Come on. This is the same. So, these and these are alike. So, before Adam got into marriage, the first thing God said to him, your wife and you are the same. Same where? Watch this now. And I'm going to get to this tomorrow, hopefully. The mankind is meant to be God's house, right? So, a woman is a side of that house. The man is the other side of the house. Together, they make the house of God. Right? Are you here? So, in creation, Genesis 1, 26 to 28, male and female together make what? The house of God, right? Come on. Call it the image and likeness of God. Right? Okay, good. So, for these costs, for what cause? Because you are already what? One. Shall a man leave father and mother and cleave to his wife and they shall be what? One flesh. Now, why are they one flesh in marriage? Because in creation, they are one spirit. They are one. So, Jesus now said, whatever God has joined together, which we use for marital ceremonies, but that was not what Jesus was saying. Whatever God has joined together, let no man put asunder. Now, where did God join male and female together? In marriage or in creation? Okay, good. When he joined male and female together, they are in his image, uh huh, in his likeness, which means in function and purpose, male and female have the same identity. So we cannot define a woman by procreation. We can't define a woman by biology. That is two sense knowledge. A male and female are defined. Now, let me take it again. Whatever God has joined together 
is that marriage or the image of God? Come on, let me take it. Is that marriage or the image of God? So, those who use the marriage altars, it's fine to say. It's a good oath. It's a good vow. But that's not what the scripture is saying. Because when you come together in marriage, you join yourself together. Where God joined male and female together is in their function. Which means you cannot define yourself in life by marriage. Marriage, rather, is defined by your true identity. Your first identity is not a wife. Your first identity is not a husband. Your first identity in the earth is not biological because the only difference between male and female is biology. That's the only difference. The differences which has to do with procreation is biological. But in the beginning, God's image and likeness is not for biology. So Jesus resolves the identity crisis. Let me take it again. God shows Adam who Eve is. Who is Eve? Eve is a side of God's building just like who? Adam. So it's pretty clear that there is an identification I should have about my wife that is beyond her being my wife. It can only be by revelation. So you cannot define a woman so, but by marriage. Because marriage is highly cultural. Pay attention to what I'm about to say. Now, do you know that shall a man leave father and mother and cleave to his wife, they shall be one flesh. Look up, let me say something so that this will, how many of you practice that in your culture? Who usually leaves? Good. So oftentimes when that is said on the pulpit, we're lying. So God brings a counterculture statement. Amen. He brings a counterculture statement. And, and you know, this the wedding day, you have the woman come. I don't know what I did in your tribe, but mine, the woman will come. She'll take a cap, put it on the husband's head, and then she'll kneel down, feed him, and you two, you're enjoying it. That's the only time she's going to do it, too. Don't, don't fool yourself, you know. <laughs> That's the only time she's going to do that for you. Just to get the ring and let's go. <laughs> but the culture prov- provides all that. What's God saying? God is saying way beyond your culture way beyond the physical makeup of a woman, there is a purpose in creation. And that purpose is the image and likeness of God. 
in marriage, your husband and wife. In God's plan, you are the image and likeness of God. So, the man who asks that question thinks about man as superior. That's why he said, put away his wife. That's superior, right? He thinks culturally. I don't want to have, you know, put away his wife. There was a guy who was speaking to me one day. He came um, with the wife. Then the pastor came with them. Pastor is not from our church. And then the guy said, Sir, I've told her, I've told her she should take her things and leave my house. So, I looked at the guy. Sir, I'm really sorry. I, I, I said, no, you're crazy. You are a believer. You are acting African movie magic. Where did you have the thinking you can send your wife away? So you already assume a superiority. That means all the things you are taught in church, they come like this and they come out like this. You are more discipled by television. If your mind was renewed, you couldn't have said that. So, culture, tribe, puts you on the vantage position, I'm superior to you. But Jesus said, no. In the beginning, it was not so. In my plan, male and female are image and likeness of God. So, Jesus resolves the marriage problem by resolving the identity crisis. Who am I? The moment I don't know that, it's going to affect everything I do. The first thing about a new woman, and I'm using the woman deliberately, is that she is in the image and likeness of God. You need to find out what that really is. In the image and likeness of God. And that word image, Genesis 1.26, is the word selem. T-S-E-L-E-M in the Hebrew. Now what it means is, pay attention, a physical representation of a supernatural being. So it's a supernatural function. Your first calling in life is supernatural. Are you here? Your first purpose in life is not your career skills. Your first purpose in life is not your talent. It is a supernatural function. So Jesus answers that man by saying, no, have you not read the beginning? Now, put the word beginning, because I'll probably go into it tomorrow. The word beginning will be the plan. 
have you walked in building a house before and um, you ask the, the, the builders, you say, oh, why did you put this here? And the guy says, well, sir, <coughs> when it rained the other day and we found out that something happened, then the wind came from that side, so we decided to block this side. So rather than the sit living room being there, we now say, well, we should adjust it like this and adjust it like that. And ever since we have done that, it appears like it's been like that. You wait till he's done. And he said um, that I felt that the, the, the restroom should have been backward. Uh, he said, come. This is the plan. At the beginning, it was not so. This is the master plan. Put the living room back there. Get the restroom there. Sort it out here. This is the master plan. You are supposed to build according to plan. It's my house. I am the one that decides who is where. It's not your house. If we are his house, he determines who is what. Not culture. Not tribe. Not even religion. To so put it back there. Jesus is doing exactly that in that answer. And he says, male and female are the same. Now, don't forget, I didn't say in marriage. Before you go home and say, we are both now Mr. Onoika. <laughs> that would be very crazy. In the earth, our function is the same. You know, this is very tight. You know why? Because the physical makeup of the woman already makes you feel you are different. Then society, as she's growing up, they buy her baby dolls, teach her how to cook. If you see a guy with a baby doll, you lay hands on him. Right? So that's already created. And sometimes you get to school, primary school, and then the top person in your class is a girl. You feel bad. Why? See, ah, who was first in your class? You say, Mary. You say, Mary? <laughs> a woman. I beat you in the class. So you are schooled to think you are superior. That's devilish. It's not the plan. And, and, and sometimes, some of us think that way. So, well, you know, uh, some say, well, um, uh, was a guy who said, said you know, the man is the head of the woman. I said, where? Saying everything. They will just remove your head. I've seen women beat up men. Right? Even physical strength. Even here in this church. I mean, sometimes we have prayer meetings and we have burdens and people, some women hold your hands. Something's a guy holding You see, sister, the body is supposed to be on the spirit, not on my hand. No, that's not you, sister. I'm just talking generally. And you have intelligent people. So the truth is, we need to have a lot of mind renewal. Remember, looking at the hope of his calling. Where there is an identity crisis, who are you? Who are you? 
Jesus said, the issue is not putting the wife away. Who is he? So, in the image of God, in the likeness of God, now if you make tonight, you don't make tomorrow morning. I'm going to leave you hanging by tomorrow night. Because I'm going to explain a couple of things tonight, tomorrow morning. In the image of God, in the likeness of God, male and female, not husband and wife, are the same. I'm repeating myself. So your first role in the earth is not procreation. Your first role in the earth is not procreation. He said, for this cause, for which cause? For the cause that you are in the image and likeness of God already, shall a man leave father and mother, cleave to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So, you firstly have a supernatural identity. The supernatural identity precedes your natural functions. So, if you don't know who you are, who are you? You say, well, I'm, uh, I'm, uh, I'm Ijebu. Who are you? Say, I'm Ashanti. Who are you? I'm Ghanaian. Who are you? I'm a Nigerian. Well, you miss that. Who are you? I'm in his image. I'm in his life. That is beyond a cultural definition. That is a supernatural function. So, primarily speaking, the hope of our calling is a supernatural one. It's not tied to your talents, it's not tied to your skills, it's not tied to your marital status. Are you here tonight? That guy asked a marriage question. Jesus answered an identity response. Who are you? In the beginning, he made them. He made them. 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 Whatever God has joined together, let no culture put us under. Let no theology put us under. Let no tribe put us under. Let no philosophy put us under. Hallelujah. So, who are you? So, who are you? I'm a worker in Yaka House. <laughs> who are you? There was one guy who said, um, this was um, was in 97 or so. He said, who are those guys there? So someone said, ah, 
there are some pastors who say, no, 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 they are not pastors, just brethren. You didn't get that. Say, so no, they're not pastors, so they're just brethren. No, he said ordinary brethren. So you feel that you graduated from brethren to pastors. Then from pastors to senior pastor. To general overseer. Whatever is God's purpose for your life doesn't change. You are in his image. And after his likeness. So that's why Paul said, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened. So watch this. Adam knew who Eve was by knowing who he was. He is the house of God. She is the house of God. And we both have the same function in the earth today. Now that function may change when we get to marriage where you're the mother, I'm the father, we're as kids together in marriage but that is not our primary identity. Our primary identity should now reflect in what we do in the natural. So what's in the plan? The image and the likeness of God. That is who you are. You are a physical representation, manifestation of an unseen God. You are a minister of the supernatural world. You are a reflection of spiritual realities. That is primary to God. Because if, if he says it's not good that man be alone, meant don't be single, be married. Then why was Jesus single? Why was Paul single? I told you that yesterday. Marriage does not define you. Your identity in Christ is what defines you. It now reflects in your marriage. Then something tonight? Yes. Are you sure about that? Are you sure about that? Yes. Who are you? Think about it. Who are you? Man's life can only be determined by his creator. And the only way you know that is by revelation. That's why I said in the morning, if it's just information, you will be inconsistent. But if it's revelation, you will be built on conviction. Who am I? As you go into the world, career, marriage, politics, government, commerce, you already know who you are. And Romans 12, 1 says there, I beseech you, brethren, by the message of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, 
holy and acceptable, which is your reasonable worship. Now, we often read that place to mean present your arm and leg. No. The word body there is singular. Is the word soma in the Greek, which means union. Present your union. Because in the book of Romans, Paul has spoken about two kinds of union. God and us in union. Then Jews and Gentiles in union. Present this a living sacrifice. Holy and acceptable. It's a reasonable worship. Verse 2 says, be not conformed to this world. Don't be conformed to culture, to religion as it were. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That you may prove that which is the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. When I know what is in the plan. What is the hope of this calling? My eyes are opening. By the power of the Holy Spirit. To see beyond the veil. To see beyond the physical makeup. To see beyond culture. To see beyond psychology, philosophy. To see by the Spirit. Who am I? Now the restlessness in the hearts of men is because they're looking for something. And then when they don't get it, because I've always said it, E.W. Kennedy used to say it anyway, that man is supernatural. He will keep looking for it. Sometimes you get that expression in drugs, sex, perversion, voodoo. He becomes restless till he meets who he really is. That's what the gospel does to you. You now get to know who you are. This is who you are. You find people in perversions, cults. Why do they go to? Because they're looking for something. Something beyond what they can see. But it's available in Christ. At the beginning, he made them supernatural representations of announcing God in the world today until you come to that realization you'll keep searching and you'll be restless we'll continue tomorrow morning stand to your feet lift those hands and bless him sing in tongues sing in tongues service becomes delightful sing in tongues sing in tongues Sing in tongues. Sing in tongues. Sing in tongues. My job in this conference is to take away every identity crisis from your life. I want you to serve God in joy. To serve God in satisfaction. Singing tongues. Singing tongues. In the beginning. It was not so. 
Sing in tongues. Hallelujah. In this conference, we're stepping on greater encounters with God's Spirit. Identity crisis will be gone in your life. You won't struggle to serve Him. You are going to meet you in these days. And when you realize you will serve God without murmuring, complaining, and stress. You'll be filled with joy because you know you have found true purpose. Who are you? Don't tell me, Shegun. That's not who you are. There are many Shegun's in the world. Who are you? I look into his face. I see who he sees. Then, I step out to serve him. Knowing who I am. That will be your story in this conference. Lift your hands and bless him. Hallelujah. Take your seat for a minute.